friends, welcome to your midweek edition of the Kings of Anglia podcast. I am Mark Keith, I'm your host. This show, of course, brought to you in association with our friends at Manscaped and also Ginger Pickle. If you like pickle ginger, Google Ginger Pickle and they'll sort you right out with your digital marketing. I am joined today by the two best kings, the kings among kings, the men among men. I'm going to start first of all with the man who manned manly from 8am in the morning till about 11.15pm at night on Tuesday our deadline day blog and that man of course is Andy Warren. Hutchie have you recovered? You had the day off yesterday to recover mentally and physically. You were broken at times I sensed from some of the things you were sharing. I, I particularly enjoyed the, the update that said there were 31 minutes left until you could stop the blog. Um, how's things? You weren't factoring that in when you said you wanted to be me on Monday were you? <laughs> the, the, that wasn't that wasn't part of it. Uh, what what I did find interesting though, Hutchie, is is um, obviously I scrolled back through a lot of the, a lot of the blog at times, uh, and I saw in there there was a part where you said you wanted my money. Yeah, I was. Uh, I can't remember what, what all of the options were, but what was it? Some going to be some kind of niche. There was a three options. This this was when things were getting desperate. Three options: you can either have Heath's cash for f- salary, yeah, five hundred grand to go and cover bowls for the times yeah. or I can't remember what the other one was but obviously you you earn more money than all of those so you'd be I, so I, disappointed if you suddenly naturally go for you'd be like oh this is really deflating and hey I haven't got any money because I spend it all on spurious things like new teeth and cigars and things that just sit in a box and I just like to I, open every now and then look at mate I'm the king of things I've got thousands of pounds worth of football shirts that sit right sit on a rail doing nothing that's my true I like we, that we all need we all need little hobbies, don't we? Little uh, little uh, faults in our in our character that we we splash cash on. Um, from deadline day blogs to sobs, Stewie, um, we bonded earlier this week over an episode of The Last of Us, which um, you messaged me and, and pre warned me. You said you're going to have to be emotionally prepared for this next episode because it's a bit of a it's a bit of a killer, um, and it was. I watched it last night. I don't know if any of you. I'm sure a lot of you are watching it. I've never played the game, so I haven't got any emotional connection to it. But this this latest episode, which is essentially a love story, hit me right in the feels, Watto. I was sobbing like a like a baby. Mm. Yeah, it's very good that if you haven't watched it, the new Sky Atlantic uh, show. Um, I did play the, the games, um, but you could watch this without playing them. And you could watch that episode three as a standalone episode. There's a lot of talk about it on social media, yeah. Be, be emotionally prepared. I watched that on my day off just in the middle of the day and was, had, a little, had a little cry to myself, Mark, which yeah. is uh, important sometimes. Um, Absolutely. I won't give too much away about it, but yeah, get on The Last of Us if you uh, if you haven't started watching that. I was I was, I was was I was ugly crying at it, Stewie. You know, I was doing that thing where I'm trying to pretend because I was watching it with the missus. I was trying to hide the fact that I was sobbing from her. But I couldn't because I was, my nose started to run. I was getting all mucused up. It was a, it was a dreadful thing. But um, a, a very emotional and, and thought provoking episode. I thought, um, and I'm looking forward to the next one. Also, before we move on, Hutchie, we have to clear something up which came from the last video that we did. We had a message uh, on the YouTube comments from a Nicholas Spencer, who just put Andy Warren or how cute or R, I suppose that is how cute. It seems that you've got an admirer, Hutchie. So I'd imagine you're telling her get to the back of the queue. Yeah, thanks, Mum. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, very. Um, no, that's that's what it is, isn't it? You just deal with that. You just deal with it and move on, don't you? Thanks, Nicola. No, 
another day in the life for the Hutch man. Um, another thing that was another day in the life, and thank God it's over. January's finished, boys. I'm sure we can all agree that's a, a blessed relief. Deadline day on Tuesday. Um, not a lot happened, as expected. Uh, the only real news was outgoings. Hutchie um, obviously ran the blog. We've spoken to him about it, uh, and we had a chat on, on Monday's show and in a preview video and all sorts about that. But we haven't heard from Stuart Watson, really, about it. So we start with you, Stewie. The window as a whole, um, four ins, four very good ins, Luongo, Hurst, Broadhead, and Clark, and then a bunch of exits on loan. Um, had me happened as expected to Burton late, of course, on deadline day. Teti Yenge went out for his first taste of men's football at, at Northampton. Um, and then the likes of Matt Penny, Elkin Baggett and, and Edwin Agbaje, we already knew about going out on loan. As a window as a whole, Stewie, what have you made of it? How would you how would you grade it for town? Well, how would it? Uh, a, bordering on an A+. plus. You couldn't have asked for a huge amount more, could you, from this window? Uh, getting the business done early, tick. Sorting out the positions that needed sorting, tick. Getting a few bonus extra youngsters on deadline day, so starting to build for the future as well. That was that was quite interesting in itself. Um, yeah, very very good window. Uh, January is a notoriously hard time to do business, mm. and as as much as there's always this clamour for new shiny things at this time of year, it isn't football manager. It's hard in the real world to to get deals done early. Especially, I think Kieran McKenna had pointed out that we've just had a World Cup and a winter break, and that has a knock-on effect with Premier League clubs holding players back that little bit longer than usual. So for Ipswich to have done everything by January nineteenth was very impressive, um, and I think the players that they've signed are going to improve the starting eleven and the squad as a whole. So um, yeah, very, very, very good window. Hmm. Actually, gone are the days when uh, we used to have to try and get excited about signing Leon Best um, in, in the January transfer window. Those were those were terrible days. Um, Stu's giving it an A there. W- would you agree with your work husband? Yeah, you can't you can't knock all those things that Stu's just mentioned. That the actual the way the business was done, I think, is is a plus. The aim of this window is to get Ipswich Town promoted. So I'm going to hold back a little bit on the A the A pluses. I'm going to go in the A minus. Category still a that on paper they're fantastic deals uh, for the future beyond this year, but the aim of it is to get town promoted. So I'm going to go A minus, but um, with some room to room to grow. But in, in terms of how the business was conducted um, and how it looks, there's there's nothing to knock. There's nothing to knock about it at all. Mm. Shall we talk about what actually happened? The little that did happen on deadline day, Hutchie. You, you spoke. Um, quite a lot, and we've spoken about this on the podcast a few times as well. Gasana had me. The only place he could go was back to Burton, uh, and he duly did. And you were you were especially pleased that happened. Um, he just needs to play, doesn't he? He's not he's not really going to play that much if he stays at Town as it stands. But at least going back to Burton, a place that he knows, a place where he scored goals, um, the best scenario for him probably for the rest of the season. Yeah, there were a few different. Look, he, in English football and, and European football as a whole. The only thing he could have done is go back to Burton. There were scenarios where he could potentially have gone for gone to a league that runs in a different time frame. So something Scandinavian, maybe North American. Um, I don't think sending him to some far flung club um for a few months would have been a better bet than um training with Kieran McKenna and Ipswich every day. I think that would have been better for him. But I think going to play football for Burton is certainly better better than that. He's he's not it's not as if he's 17, 18 here. He's he's twenty-two years old. 
um, has been playing regularly, um, has to carry on playing regularly. Not going to happen here. Um, mm. They like him. They'll, they'll welcome him back in the summer with another 15, 18, 20 games under his belt and um, and crack on from there. But um, mm. common sense, I think, and please please for him. I suppose when I mentioned Burton, I should have mentioned Corey and Darby, shouldn't I? He's also gone to uh, Fleetwood in the end up from Burton on loan, yeah. Um, Stuart, you, you tweeted something which I thought was good. Uh, you said, has there ever been a case where a player has signed for a team on one deadline day, like Gassan did back in the summer, and then departed and gone back to the team he signed from on the following deadline day? Can't, can't have happened very often. No, and I'm not going to do the groundwork. I I am prone, as Andy <laughs> will tell you, to going down some some deep, deep rabbit holes in terms of finding football stats, but that's not one I'm prepared to... Uh, there's a, a lot of work that will go into finding that out for, for a slightly... Oh, yeah, he is. He is the first. <laughs> uh, he probably... Look, someone may have done, but I would imagine that's very, very rare. On the face of it, it looks like a bit of a disaster, signing someone and then them going back to, to whence they came. We had it with Janoi Danassian, of course. Mm. Um going back to Accrington on loan. Um, and we, we know all about the Denaissance, of course. And let's not write, Gassana had me off yet. They signed him for a reason. They like him. He was always going to be a bit of a project striker. Yes, he's not 18, 19, but he's still young. Um, and he had a pretty pretty false start, didn't he, with that foot fracture, which kind of set him back. So there's circumstances as to why he's found himself at this point. I think it's... Uh, a whole load of common sense uh, for him to go back to Burton and get some games. But um, yeah, I, d- I don't get the sense that he's, he's completely written off just yet. It's just, he's just not the man for the here and now. Hmm. Okay. Certainly not a man for the here and now, but maybe a man for the future is Titi Yengi, Stewie, sticking with you, who uh, signed a new deal. Um, he's this kind of almost a unicorn style um, player, six foot five inch striker or winger, um, versatile attacker. Had a good time in Finland on loan. Uh, so he signed a new contract and now he's gone out to Northampton for the first taste of English senior football, aside doing well in League Two. Um, have you have you seen Tete play? Do we know anything about him other than what we know stats-wise, what he's done? Um, he clearly physically has some tools and, and has some ability. Um, good move for him, do you think? I have no idea if Tete Yengi is, is a good footballer because I haven't seen him play does slightly amuse me sometimes when people have quite strong opinions on players yeah. like this. Um, like you say, they become almost mythical. I'm sure the fact that he's come from Australia, he's had a foreign loan spell, he's six foot five inches tall, all of those sort of things. And we're all prone to it as football fans. You get sucked into that and they become slightly slightly sexier. If his name was Harry Smith yeah. and, he'd, he'd, and he'd come through the youth ranks or something, you wouldn't have the same sort of... Uh, chat around him I'm sure but um, look it sounds like he's done quite well in Finland what the top flight of Finnish football compares to at English level I'm not sure um, slightly surprised that he's got a sort of a, a top level league two team sort of looking at him on the basis of what he's done so far I suppose in this day and age everyone will have probably been able to see video footage of what he's been doing away in Finland and um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what, what he does next at Northampton, a team that are uh, that are pushing for automatic promotion in the division below. So uh, one one to keep a little eye on for sure. And John Brady, the, the cobbler's boss, said there was, there was a lot of interest in him, Stewie. I mean, I think you, you wrote something about links to other teams, didn't you? 
Yeah, Leighton Orient, who are top of League Two, were one that certainly made an inquiry about him. They've obviously got Idris Ilmazuni um, there as well. Uh, McKenna had talked about there being lots of interest from um, home and abroad in him. So what he has done out in Finland has obviously caught a bit of attention. So, um, yeah, he's obviously someone literally just looking at his stats and, and his height and everything that maybe brings a few different types of qualities. Um, for those that don't know his background, he sort of came over from the Newcastle Jets in Australia on trial. That was kind of through a link with Andy Costin, who's one of the new sports science guys during that has come in sort of during the game changer era, came in on trial, did quite well. Um, so, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see where he goes next on his football football journey. Hmm. Exciting. Hutchie, have you, you got any thoughts on that? Have you ever seen Yengi play? I know you've gone to a couple of youth games, no? He's been, he's been in Finland. Um, hmm. So, no, never um, never seen him, I don't think. Not for any substantial period of time, anyway. Um, I think he did make the bench once for a, for a Papa John's game, but didn't get on. Um, so, maybe I've seen him warm up. <laughs> but just some someone that's um I think someone with those kind of physical physical tools is always going to attract attract some level of attention um mm. for a start. And he's got some stuff on tapes and scoring a few goals in a in a team that nearly nearly qualified for Europe in the in the league in Finland. So I think those two things combined make him a pretty low low risk, high reward um signing for a team like Northampton, whose mm. manager is Australian as well, I believe. So he may well know a little bit more about him than than others would have done at that level so um yeah interested to see how he gets on okay just by way of rounding up this deadline day chat then four players in which obviously is the most interesting thing you've had a chance to see all of them play a little bit so far and i know you you spo- you've spoken about minty hutchie as being your favorite and clearly stu's professed a, a deep love already for harry clark um are you able to talk about each of them and what you think that they're, they're going to bring to town I could, I'll, oh, yeah, yeah. I'll start with Massimo Luongo if you want, just yeah. to just to talk about him. He's probably the least exciting of the four because he's going to play the least, but I don't think we should underestimate how well Ipswich have done to get a player of his experience, 30-odd international caps for Australia, loads of appearances in the Championship, was a, a key influential figure at a Sheffield Wednesday side that stormed their way up the table in League One in the second half of last season. And Ipswich have been able to attract him to come and be fourth choice central midfielder. Hmm. I mean, that's that says a lot about the pulling power of this football club at the moment. He's been pretty honest in his interview to say, look, I might play one minute, but I'll have to make sure that I'm sort of ready and I'm playing my role behind the scenes as well. Um, I think he'll be a good dressing room guy uh, that can bring a bit of experience. I think he takes that little bit of pressure off the shoulders of Cameron Humphreys, who... Uh, has shown that he can be trusted, um, that has had a really exciting breakthrough season. But I think it's a lot to ask him if it came to a real crunch stage of the season and Sam Morsi got suspended or Lee Evans got injured, to to ask him to go in again and play week in, week out during a busy schedule might might be a a big ask. So I think that was really important to, to get another central midfielder in and to get one of Massimo Luongo's pedigree. Um... I think was uh, you know is not to be underestimated as a deal that one. Obviously, the other three deals are more exciting, but um, yeah, I, I want to give a bit of credit to that deal. 
Mm. I think we might see more of him than than people think. I I I I think he's going to ultimately probably slot in a, a, above Humphreys on some kind of depth chart if there was one to be existing in the short term. Cameron Humphreys is the long term um, for Ipswich Town, but they're very different players, very very different players as well. So I think Luongo, like Stu says, is more suited to maybe more suited to what's to come for Ipswich in certain certain situations so I think I think we'll see, we'll see a, a decent amount of him and he looked good in those few minutes against Burnley at the weekend didn't he he um he certainly added something when legs were tiring and and things were were kind of draining a little bit for Ips which he 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 added something I think he yeah. could um I think he'll start the replay uh, and then we'll, we'll maybe start to see a bit more of him from there yeah, he could be a cracking bargain signing, couldn't he, given his pedigree and what he's done at this level. Um, actually, there's three signings left. Do you want to take one of them and talk about them at, at length? Do you want to take your boy Minty or Hurst or Clark? Let's do let's do them in order. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take George Hurst next. Um, obviously, we've spoken about him a lot over the month, but the thing that infuses me most about him is, one, we've kind of started to see him work his way into things now at Ipswich I've enjoyed that but I think the thing that enthuses me most is how much how much he was wanted and how much stock Kieran McKenna uh the coaching staff the recruitment staff have put in him they clearly they clearly are very very big fans of George Hurst they've trailed him throughout the summer top top target then and have been working clearly to get this deal done well before the January window opened so that is what gives me the most heart. He's a player that look ha, looks like he's going to fit town system. Um, he's he's a big boy, but he's very mobile for it. Very mobile, um, and I think him and him and Ladapo um, are going to dovetail quite nicely. Another big thing is he's he's fired up Freddie Ladapo. He's hmm. just him being here has fired up Freddie Ladapo. So um still waiting to see Hurst truly click and get going, but there are signs that might be coming. So they've they've added what they wanted and um that has to be a good thing. You got any early thoughts on Hurst, Stewie, from what you've seen of him so far? Um wasn't immediately taken by him, if I'm completely honest, in those first couple of appearances. But to be fair, he's not played a lot of football in the first half of the season for Blackburn. You were looking at it thinking that it took him half a season to get really up and running for Portsmouth. Ipswich can't really afford to waste weeks, months on getting a striker up to speed. But against Burnley at the weekend, I thought, OK, this is this is why he's been brought in. And as Andy says, you put your trust in, in Kieran McKenna and his staff, who have obviously carefully identified him to fit in. I think what he does is he, he's a good all-round striker and he's got different qualities to Ladapo, I think he's one that wants to run in behind and play on the last shoulder, whereas I think Ladapo's instincts are to kind of drop and link and play with his back to goal a little bit more. So different weapons, bit of versatility. We're talking a lot about these players being in direct competition. I just think that they're different, different qualities of player for different types of games. McKenna's seen that League One throws up different challenges every week. Um, and sometimes you different, need different tools in your armoury. So he brings that. Um, I think what both him and Clark do is they bring, they fit into the style of play and the, the system and the team, but they also add a bit of something in physicality-wise. I think they both added an extra bit of height and uh, aerial threat in both boxes as, as well, which is good. So um, 
yeah, looking forward to seeing uh, him sort of hopefully go up through a few more gears in in the coming weeks. Right, okay, sticking with you then, Stu. Do you want to? We, we know you love Harry Clark, um, and we know Hutchie loves Minty uh, Broadhead. So, do you want to talk about your your um, take what uh, your your separate, as it were, your uh, divergent loves? You do um, Broadhead, and Hutchie can finish with Clark. What have you yeah. made Broadhead so far? Well, look, Nathan Broadhead is the most expensive of the four signings. There's a reason for that. It's his age, it's his profile, it's what he's done in his career so far. He has to be, as much as I've kind of, my heart has been drawn towards Harry Clark. The head agrees with Andy in that he is the most important of these four signings so far because I think he can be the difference maker in these games where Ipswich have drawn or not been prolific enough and not been clinical enough. Um, got promoted from this division last year, was winning some firm admirers in the championship with Wigan in the first half of this season. And from the very first minute he stepped onto the pitch for Ipswich, you could see that he is someone that's going to add something a little bit different. He's he's direct, he's a dribbler, he's got drive, he wants to shoot whenever he gets the ball. I think Ipswich have been a little bit shot shy at time from from outside the box as much as... They've got good attacking players. Maybe they're all a little bit technical at times and sometimes you just need someone that plays off the cuff and tries to make something happen. And uh, Nathan Broadhead is a, is a high-quality player that can uh, that can hopefully, again, add something a, a little bit different to the party. Go on, actually bring it home. Any, any Broadhead thoughts? And then the boy Clark, the homecoming, the, the good story. Yeah, it's with, with Broadhead, it's the, it's the directness that I've that I liked before they signed him and I've liked what I've seen since they've signed him. They've, town have lacked dribblers throughout throughout my time covering them, really, if I'm completely honest. I think that's why Mustafa Carriol, I enjoyed him so much, despite him being quite actually quite a limited football player in many ways. He he just dribbled with the ball. It's what Ted, mm. why I like Teddy Bishop, because he dribbled with the ball. You have to be able to... You can't just tip-tap your way around League One. You have to attack the box Um and Nathan Broadhead attacks the box. I've said used that expression a load of times. He attack that box. That's the that's the way you're going to score. Attack the box. Um, and I'm I'm sure if you shoot if you shoot from outside the box as much as he wanted to, you're going to get those little bits of luck that Kieran McKenna's talking about. That nice deflection that leaves the goalkeeper standing with his arms like that as the ball goes the other way into the net. You don't get that luck unless you're shooting. Um, so that's that's what I like about about Broadhead. Um, there's nothing not to like about the Harry Clark signing is there. It's got the story um, mm. and he's got the ability clearly um, clearly to back it up. Um, physical tools, technical tools. Um, he's got a little bit of everything. It's a real deal for the future and for the here and now. Um, and I think a lot of people, a lot of people are going to really, really enjoy watching him for a, hopefully quite a long time. Hmm. The fact that Broadhead and Clark are actually signed town players as well under you know a decent long-term contract is exciting, is it? Put aside the fact that they're signed for seven-figure fees as well, which is madness in League One and, and a sign of how things are going at town. The fact they're under contract and are town players is fantastic. Just by you'd, way of reference, you'd imagine sorry. with Harry Clark that the data dashboard just one day sort of set off a, a whole load of sirens yeah. in, in Mark Ashton's room <laughs> when Harry Clark just ticked every single box. <laughs> like the... It's like the the fruit machine sort of rolling up all all three lemons or whatever, you know, because it not only was he not only has he got the homegrown story, but it's a very specific position that he's been recruited for. Oh, he's he's played 
he's played right wing back, right wing, and centre half in his career. So he, he fits exactly the sort of the athletic profile of what they want, the tactical profile, the personality profile, everything. So the stars just completely aligned on that one. I wasn't when we were talking after the Broadhead signing. Do they need anything else? I wasn't convinced. I was of the opinion the squad was maybe getting a bit bloated and that would that would cause some issues. Andy, to to his credit, sort of said, well, maybe someone just to keep Genoa on his toes has, has maybe just been fading a little bit. You ask a lot physically of people in that position. Um, and I thought, thought, well, if the right player becomes available, then maybe, well, the right player became available and uh, Ipswich are in a position to to make these things happen if uh, if they so choose. So, um yeah, for me, that was that was the icing on the cake um, of that transfer window. I love that image as well, Stu, that you just you just conjured there of Ashton sitting in his office, feet on his desk, and then suddenly there's a there's a fruity going off. He's going, "We've got a bingo! Let's go and get Harry Clark." I, I want to one day we have to see this data dashboard. I know he's probably not going to show us, but even if it's off the record, I'd love to see it because it'd be fascinating. Um, by way of wrapping up this deadline day chat, then boys, I know um, it's always interesting what goes on around League One. You were both keeping an eye on that. Hutchie, especially on the on the deadline day blog, because you're doing smoke and mirror stuff to keep it busy. Um, are there any signings either of you seen have thought, wow, that's a good signing, that's impressive, or maybe um, side from someone like Sheffield Wednesday, for example, who really have done nothing in January, and you thought that's rather underwhelming. Either of those two extremes. I, I, the one that interested me the most was was Mameti leaving Wickham yeah. actually go to. To go to, I know it's probably not as direct an impact on Ipswich as some of the others, but um, yeah, that interested me. Going to Bristol City, um, it's a probably probably a club that suits him and his ability a little bit more. But that's what made him interesting at Wickham. I've got to say, when Ipswich played Wickham, I wasn't impressed at, at all. Particularly, I don't think he did an awful lot in the game. But so everyone that's seen him over the course of the season has said that he's. He's a really, really good player for this level. Interested, interested to see what he does, um, what he does in the championship now. And f- again, of no impact to Ipswich whatsoever. Um, Fleetwood interests me. I think they. I think you, we might see them kind of rocket up from lower mid table to upper mid table by the end of by the end of the season potentially with, with Marriott, Stockley, and and Corey and Darber as well. Um, that that interests me a little bit. You say it's no no impact on Ipswich Town. We do go there on the final day of the season. Mm. Chuck a bit of extra narrative in there. All these all these ex player narratives that we've been talking about. Um, uh, Sheffield Wednesday were pretty quiet, but I think they've they lost Mark McGuinness and they've replaced him like for like, but with a more experienced model in Aidan Flint, who's someone who's um, loads of experience, aerial threat scores goals with his head. Um, so I think they've done quite well to replace them. I know Darren Moore was talking about wanting to add more in January, but I think they were in a similar position to Ipswich where they've got real depth through their squad. Barry Bannon and, and Byers, I think, have both sort of overcome injuries recently. So I wouldn't read too much into their so-called disappointment in January. Um, Derby not signing a striker, I think, is a good thing. Um Paul Warren made it very clear that he wanted a midfielder and a striker. He got his midfielder in Harvey White on loan from um, Tottenham, but didn't get his striker. Uh, note that David McGoldrick sat out the FA Cup game the other night with a with a muscle niggle. 
which we we all know that David McGoldrick's sort of injury history. So if he was to kind of break down and they lose him at some point, they might look a little bit thin up front at some point. Um, Barnsley did three deals on deadline day. I don't know loads about those those players. Bolton, I think, have, have mixed things up a little bit. Affalion left, but they've brought in quite a few in January. So I'm... I'm not writing off Bolton and Barnsley mm. yet. I think they're both both very good sides that could still sort of uh, creep up on the rails. Yeah, a couple of strikers at, at Bolton. I don't, neither were on deadline day, but they were kind of leading into it. They signed Adebayo from um, from Burton, who was scoring a lot of goals for them, and Cameron Cameron Jerome as well. Uh, everyone knows about Cameron Jerome, so yeah, they've uh, they've added that that little bit of strength. I think they've, they've signed a centre half on loan for Man City as well, who they they seem quite quite taken by so where did uh, that line go i missed that obviously there's interest there because he tore town to shreds not too long ago where, where's he he's, gone he's gone to st Pauli in germany oh he's gone abroad okay in, Ham- in hamburg lucky okay. man he gets to live in hamburg or bolton <laughs> hamburg please all right then just finally then boys bringing it back to town um the squad is set now we know exactly what they've got for the rest of the season the last um 18 games of the season the promotion push um the real business end of the season when you look at this squad now, there's no excuses there. This has they it's simply down to the players now to deliver what should be possible to go on a bit of a run and, and really challenge for that those top two spots. Yep. Strong strong in every position, two players or more in every position that you trust um to start games. So yeah, it's uh the squad the squad is there. Um time to run the gauntlet and, and deliver it. Do you sense to we obviously we always flash back to the, the period under Mick when town were, were surging towards the top of the championship and they didn't strengthen from a position of strength. Looking back now, even with the benefit of hindsight, you can't say we're going to be looking back in six months and going, well, they didn't do enough in that window. Would you agree? Yeah, I would agree. I think there are times when you can be flying high in a division, but I think everybody sort of knows that um, some some cracks can be papered over a little bit. I think back to, you know, even the first season flying under Lambert. And I think when you keep sort of saying, and the great thing is they've not even got going yet. They've got some more gears to go through when in reality, there isn't more gears to go through. And maybe the results have been masking performances. Um, There was maybe a little bit of that. Look, maybe my mind's playing tricks on me a little bit, thinking back to 2014, 15, but that was a fairly sort of, functional side under Mick McCarthy mm. wasn't it? it was Tab and Anderson on the wings and it felt like that would have a limit to what it could do and but having got themselves in such a good position they needed to do more in January and they didn't this time around it's a little bit different they're they're when you say adding strength to a position of strength I think there was so much good about this side already I'd still I'd still be feeling reasonably confident about it even if they hadn't done what they've done this month um, because I would say actually the performances have outperformed the results in some ways. They've left a lot, lot of points just out there when you mm. look back through the season. So, um, yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling quite quite good about the the, the months ahead. Uh, I know at the moment it feels like Sheffield Wednesday and Plymouth and others and, and Derby are never going to lose again. But you know they're just in their red hot form at the moment. Ipswich have hopefully had their little their little. Uh, bump in the road and um, once these new signings get up to speed and you look at these fixtures coming up, I think the last two 
performances. Morecambe, followed by Burnley, are going to give a bit of confidence. Plenty of the bottom six sides coming up. That that big game against Sheffield Wednesday in in the middle. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited about these uh, these coming weeks. That maybe the uh, the momentum train gets going again. You know, the one thing that at the end of every football season, the captain hindsight hats go on, and the mm-hmm. only the only thing. The only thing that I think the hindsight the hindsight sayers will 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 throw out potentially, and I, I think there's already reason to believe this isn't the case. But I think it, if it doesn't go how it how we all hope it goes, I think the thing that will be discussed is was George Hurst the right striker? Could they could they have gone someone more proven than than George Hurst? Um, I think that's what the conversation might be if it doesn't go if it doesn't go the way we hope. But I, I honestly think the amount of the amount of clearly the amount of work that's gone into looking at him mm. um, really gives me confidence that he he will will add what they wanted a new striker to add. Um, if if what I don't know if Macaulay Bond goes and scores nine goals for Charlton, should should we have signed Bond? Um, should, should we have pushed for Clark Harris? Actually, right now I'm, I'm more enthused by the player that, that Kieran McKenna loves. Um, but I think if there is some hindsight chat, it yeah. might link to that. Is that where your A minus came from? Where you were kind of leaning towards with that? Whether no, strong? no, not no, not at all. I, I, I think I, I like that they've gone down the route that they've gone down by someone that they love. Um, the A minus is that that. I, the whole aim of this window is to get them promoted and don't know if that's happened yet. So this is the A minus is the kind of the room to prove, prove that it was right. If I'm, if I was grading the work that they had done and the speed that they did it at is it's a plus they, they, they got what they wanted and they got it done. It's just, you, the, the whole, the A, this transfer window is to get Ipswich town promoted and, and they haven't achieved that yet. So can't have full marks. Just yet, <laughs> until the exam is passed and the yeah. work is done, then you get a, then you get an A plus from Hutchie. Right, and that's deadline day out of the way, then boys. That, we'd have to worry about that now until August. Praise be. Um, January deadline, January windows generally, I I do not like. I'm sure you probably agree with me there. Shall we talk then, Stu, about what you just teed up the month ahead, um, starting with Cambridge this weekend? Because you look on paper, this is a real opportunity for town this month. They've got yes, they've got a game against Sheffield Wednesday, which is probably the biggest game of the season so far. Might, might be the biggest game they have left. Um, but they've also got games against four sides. One's in mid-table and three are really struggling. So a, a huge opportunity to, to grab momentum and bank some points. Uh, and that all starts at Cambridge on Saturday, boys. Should we talk about that? And then I want to get you to predict the month ahead like I've done this morning, possibly with a lot more knowledge um, behind you and, and fewer Ivan Drago references. Um, Cambridge United, 23rd in the table. Haven't won since Boxing Day. Uh, won one of their last 11 games. All sorts of bother at the Abbey Stadium. Um, Stewie, we've got we've got to be open and honest about this. This is a game that Town have to win. Yeah, must win. Cambridge have only won five games at home this season and they've been against the likes of MK, Burton, Lincoln, um, lower sides. Their record against teams in the top six is two points out of a possible 24. Um, but there is a couple of results in there that that jump off the page. They've had a couple of nil-nil home draws against Plymouth and Bolton. So it just mm. shows you on their day 
And as we've seen with Ipswich on the day, you can just come up short in these in these tricky games as, as Ipswich have found. So we've got to make sure Ipswich have had too many of those days now. You can maybe get away with two or three of those sort of days over the course of a season. Ipswich have used played those cards now against Fleetwood, Cheltenham, Lincoln. They can't afford any more of those again in these sort of games. So um, yeah, have have to go and win this now because we're talking about stringing stringing wins together. Yeah, Cambridge also shipped five twice in January. They lost 5-0 at Sheffield Wednesday and lost 5-1 at Shrewsbury. So they're, they're a team in no sort of form at all, Hutchie. Um, clearly, Town have got to win. What do you do? It's an interesting dynamic, isn't it? Because before the, the draw with Burnley, this you would maybe have approached this game in a, in a different way in terms of team selection. How do you... You know you've got the Burnley game in midweek to go FA Cup replay-wise. Does that have any impact on how you approach this game in terms of team selection? No, your strongest team goes in. Your, what you think is the strongest goes in this. No questions, mm. no question about it. Um, and I think that I think it almost picks itself. If I'm honest, um, the big fear, the big fear I've got with Cambridge is their goalkeeper, who's pro, who's a really good goalkeeper. Mitov, um, good day from him. Frustration. Joe Ironside up front, a striker who is a bit of a can, can frustrate as well. Physical. Uh, they've got some good players. Smith, Nibs. There's the Jack Lancaster te- technical kind of players. They've got a few of them. Um, good manager. If it's going to go wrong for Ipswich, it's going to be a frustrating one rather than Ipswich being beaten, I think, um, like properly beaten. It will be a horrible frustration, but I don't think it will. I think Ipswich will will go out strong. Obviously, Clark comes back in, um, Broadhead starts, and they go all out, and I think they win it quite comfortably. It sounded like Mick McCarthy back in the day talking about opponents, good manager, good players, upset results, etc. Bloody, good, bloody hard of, match. Yeah, I mean, you talked about the goals they've been shipping uh, of of late. They've signed a few players in the January transfer window, but a couple that jump off the page is a couple of centre halves. They've got signed Ryan Bennett, the ex Norwich centre half, uh, who's thirty two, and Michael Morrison, Suffolk born, Hayley yeah. Hill boy. They got him on a free from Portsmouth as well. He's he's been around the block and played a fair bit of championship football. So they're they're two uh, hardened centre halves. I think they've switched from a back four to a back three. Diggers sitting in front of them. Paul Digby is their their captain as well. So I think they might be sort of just trying to sort of shut up shop a little bit now and uh, and make themselves mm. difficult to beat. And as I say, they've had those couple of nil nils against uh, some of the higher teams. So. Yeah, I just hope that Ipswich now, we talked about the broadhead X factor and some different qualities that Ipswich have got, that, that they've got enough to kind of uh, to, to to unlock the door in this one. A few hairy asses in there. Even yeah. Just, you know, there's, a, there's, there's a hairy arsed team now. Is that on their data dashboard, do you think? Yeah. <laughs> must, have, must have hairy arse. It's like the data <laughs> dashboard is like when you go and try and find a new house on Rightmove or a new car on Auto Trader. You're putting in like engine size, yeah. colour, mileage. You're getting really specific on the nitty gritty, whether you want a garden, how many bathrooms, all of that. And then you press search and then it just comes up with one. <laughs> well, it comes up, yeah. <laughs> Harry Clark, Harry Clark on that in, in kind of the, on the auto trader front is like all the other ones are coming up. Yeah, it's got the right engine. Yeah, the mileage is good. Uh, it, it's red, and yeah. then all of a, all of a sudden, like a nice a nice silver one yeah. comes up. It's like that's that's the Ipswich Town factor. The, yeah, it? or it's the house, and then you, your missus goes and she just loves something like 
even though you can change the color of the walls or the garden or whatever, you know, I'm gender stereotyping here, but if it's anything like my wife, she'll, she'll fall in love with the aesthetics of it rather than the, uh, the practicalities of the house. And, and Harry, Harry Clark had the factor to, to win over the, the heart as well as the head. <laughs> you, the Watsons would have bought Harry Clark, wouldn't they? He, he yeah. ticks all, he ticks all your boxes. Yep. Solid walls. No holes. <laughs> is, yep, yep. Yeah. That good, nice insulation in the loft. Yeah. Although, although he hasn't got any insulation actually in the in the loft. But yeah, um, he could if he wanted to. I think primary yeah. school down the road. Good access yeah. to local shops. Yeah. Wow. Get garage. Very very grown up chat. Um. So all, all being told, then Cambridge United boys. Um. What are we saying? I'm going to get you to predict the month ahead. I've gone. I've gone big on Cambridge United. I've gone three nil town win. Um, which now, having listened to you boys talk about it, I think I've gone too big um, because you've, you've made me doubt what's going to happen. But uh, Hutchie, do you want to say? Nah, they'll win, mate. Don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they'll win two. Now. We should we, tell you what we should mention. You say that the team picks itself. What would the team be then? Uh, for me, the team is Walton, Clark, Wolfenden, Edmondson, Davis, Morsey, Evans, Burns, Chaplin, Broadhead, Ladapo. Yes, go on, big Fred. So I've gone three nil. You're saying two nil, Stewie. What are you saying? Would you agree with that team? Uh, I'd also got two nil in my mind. Um, biggest question mark is probably the one that you paused on when you were going through that team is whether it's Ladapo or Hurst up front, because uh, both of them have had really good games in their last two outings. Um, I guess that might be kind of thinking what's most suitable against Cambridge. I just talked about the type of centre-halves that they've got, whether you want runners in behind, that Hurst is maybe has a bit more of that aerial threat against them. I don't know. Um, or do you have Ladapo and try and do your do your most dangerous work kind of away from, away from their box a little bit more? I don't know. Um, but that's probably the biggest mm. question, Mark. I know you've probably had a conversation about the goalkeeper in the previous chat. Um, I think it's a legitimate conversation. Um, I see some people get a bit now outraged that you can't. How how dare you even question Christian Walton? Where's your loyalty? Like if it was any other position on the pitch, and one player was had slightly dipped below their levels, and mm. another player had come in and had a really good game, we'd be having that debate, no question about it. So. Christian Walton is not impervious to that debate, but all of that said, do I think he's got more than enough credit in the bank to, to go again in this game? Absolutely. He's got to be your goalkeeper for Cambridge. I think Halagki will go and play up at Burnley um, and we'll see how that conversation goes. But um, nobody is beyond having a conversation around where, where they're at, but um, mm. I'd be going Walton, definitely. Yeah, no player can be undroppable, can they? Especially in a successful side, there has to be competition for every position. You can't have a, a player who regardless of what happens on the pitch, won't be dropped. Um, okay, so we're all saying win. Uh, have you got a million-pound pick for me, Hutchie, before we move on? Yeah, I have, actually. Um, both, I clearly, both Freddie Ladapo and George Hurst, I think they're both going to play in every game. Um, mm-hmm. Each will each get at least half an hour. I think they're both going to score in this game. Okay. Uh, now, obviously, I've been way too generous recently uh, when I gave you 7-1 to one for just Freddie Mate, to score. Have you paid yet? Uh what? I think my phone. You owe me four million pounds, <laughs> mate. I'm still trying to ship my kidney on the black market. All right. Once that's gone, I, I might be able to do something. All right. You tried to sell me a bike the other day, didn't you? Which I never I fully got back to you. Um, I, I don't think I'll 
take the bike. But if, okay. if that was that trying I mean, to raise money, the to... bike is worth about two milli, so that would that would have uh... yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not going for it. Um, no. I'll give you. So you reckon both the Dapro both and Hurst are going to yeah. score? I'll give you. Uh, I'll give you sixteen to one. <laughs> Mate, come on! What? Million pound, million pounds on that. Oh, are you happy? Is that again? You saying that's too generous? I'll put a million pounds on it, please. <laughs> okay, sixteen to one. Deary me. All right, then. Maybe I, I'm going to have to get out of this bookmaker's business if this goes tits up. Uh, so we're all saying win against Cambridge. Yeah. Let's move on, and I might be having to sell this house um, to pay this next year. Yeah, and and the rest, and the rest. Yeah, and my drugs empire. Um, let's move on to Sheffield Wednesday, shall we? Which is, in my preview, I've just capped up the big one, the certainly the biggest game of the season so far. Arguably the biggest home game they've got left against a side who are red hot in contrast to Cambridge United. They've won five league games in a row. They've not lost in the league since October when they lost to, to Plymouth. Um, they've only conceded 18 goals all season, which is by far the stingiest record in the league. Um, they are, by all accounts, flying boys. Slightly complicated by the fact, obviously, that, that they're playing Plymouth this weekend, which is clearly a huge game as well. Then they've got to go to Fleetwood in the FA Cup and they're Things around the edges. Barry Bannon missed most of January with, with injury and returned as a second-half sub in their FA Cup game. Whether or not he'll be back up to speed by next Saturday with a hamstring injury, you never know. Um, start me off then, Hutchie. Sheffield Wednesday, how are we feeling about this game? Because this, this is a game in isolation against a, a team like Wednesday who are in such great form. You would say a draw would be a decent result. But town don't want draws. They, they have to win these games. They do. Um there's a lot that can happen between now and that Sheffield Wednesday game, obviously, with Cambridge and Burnley in the Cup. Lots mm-hmm. uh, lots, lots can change. Wednesday play Plymouth before then. I still think a draw is OK for Ipswich. You definitely cannot lose. You can't lose it. Um, I, I think a draw is OK. It's not what they want. And I think you'd find if it was 1-1 with 20 minutes to go, McKenna's going to be pushing to win it. Um, but it's going to be a really, really difficult game. Aidan Flint just fills me with dread the existence of him because he's <laughs> had a really good record against Ipswich in the past scoring goals him and a Hickway um, at the back. I think it is going to end in a draw sitting here two weeks before it happens. Not, not two weeks, is it a week? Um, I think it is going to end in a draw. I think it's going to be a one all draw. Okay. Um, Stewie, I appreciate that obviously you're the, the, the calm, measured, both of you, calm, measured, logical voice of journalism. And I'm asking you to predict games that are weeks in advance and realistically, without all the stories around it going into it, it's hard to do. Um, but give me, give me your gut feeling. Hutchie's saying 1-1. I thought I feel like it was going to be a draw, but my heart told me that Town are going to find a way to win this. I said 2-1 win for Town. What do you reckon? That's exactly where I'm at. I think... Um... Head says draw, heart says yeah. I, I like I like Ipswich are, get, are getting going again. I got over a few injuries, getting up to speed. New signings are bedding in nicely now. I'm hoping it, the, the pot comes nicely to the boil um, in time for that one. It requires them to go and win at Cambridge tomorrow. It requires them to have a whatever happens with the result up at Burnley. Just again put up a put up a decent showing, um, and then and then carry that into the game. On the Saturday, I'm really pleased that Wednesday I've got their replay as well. So that's kind of like for like in terms of preparations for that game. Why not? Why not? Portman Road's going to be absolutely bouncing for that game. Um, 
Ipswich beat Derby at Portman Road earlier in the season. I'm putting them down for a win, Mark. What are you saying score-wise? Uh, 2-1. 6 6 nil. <laughs> 6 nil. Imagine that. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Okay. So, me and Stuart both got them winning both. Hutchie's saying draw against Wednesday. Um, the next game is the one, for some reason, worries me, boys. Bristol Rovers away on Valentine's Day. Joey Barton and all that. Um, a massively informed striker in Collins. Uh, and my thinking in in the, the, the predictions I've done is that I think, as I've just said, they will beat Sheffield Wednesday. And then I'm slightly concerned about after the Lord Mayor's show, subsequent adrenaline dump dipping performance at Bristol Rovers, which is not going to be an easy game. Bristol are, what, they 12th and still with a outside, very outside shot of the playoffs. Um, so I have a fear that this might be a slightly underwhelming, scrappy, horrible draw on Tuesday night. Um, should, should, we, should we start with you, being as you've you said two wins like me? How do you feel about this one? Yeah, same fears about this one that you've had. You've had the Burnley game in midweek. You've had the travel for that, all of the big adrenaline and everything for that game. And then Bristol Rovers away is not not the ideal fixture to be playing a few days later on a, on a midweek night. Um, they've had some good results this season. They've got a striker in form in Collins who's scoring and assisting at a really good rate. Um, you making us predict all of these all the way through? I am, mate. Yeah, because uh, the people want to know, and it's a bit of fun. Isn't it? uh, I know. I know it goes against your kind of serious logical draw. Draw. The other thing, Bristol Rovers, of course. You look at it on paper; they've just been absolutely humped five-one by Morecambe, the same yeah, Morecambe side that, that Town beat four-nil a few days before. Um, but I'm saying draw. You're saying draw. Hutchie, what are you saying? I've got it down for a draw as well. Difficult place to go. The atmosphere is quite a quite a good atmosphere there um, that they can get whipped up. Um, I think it's going to be a draw as well. Okay, so Hutchie so far has got win, draw, draw. Then it's the Stuart Watson derby, Forest Green Rovers, big dunk in the house, Stu. This is going to be an exciting time for you. Um, Forest Green are awful, bottom of the league, haven't won in God knows how long. Yes, big dunks come in. They've just conceded two in. Stoppage time to lose at Shrewsbury. Their record away from the new lawn is awful. They can see an average of two goals a game away. Um, for every single reason you look at that, and it looks like a town win. But obviously, they ain't going to come to Portman Road and try and play with town. They're going to park the bus and make it very, very difficult. Hence, my Arvin Drago reference, because town simply must break you. They're going to have to break Forest Green Rovers. And I think they will. 2 nil. Hutchie, what are you saying? 5 nil. 5 nil. Yeah, genuinely. Serious? Ge- yeah, yeah. Wow. I think th- I think this could be a cut loose. I'm loving that I cut like loose. That. For me, that that comes on the back of two draws, which might feel a bit frustrating. Um, but yeah, a cut loose, big thumping home win. Stewie, what are you saying? Yeah, I think following this narrative that we're painting so far, that we've had the the, the high of Sheffield Wednesday, then maybe after the Lord Mayor show of Bristol, then there might be a few little. A bit more of a nervy atmosphere. As we've seen, you get the big atmospheres for Sheffield Wednesday. Then it'll be Forest Green and it might be a little bit quiet because people will be expecting them to to smash them or maybe a little bit nervy. And it could go one or two ways. If they get an early goal in that game, then I can see what Andy's just said. I could see them having, you know, that'll be the day it all clicking. Or equally, if if it stays nil-nil for quite a while, the, the atmosphere could get a little bit edgy. Um, but... But whichever scenario it is, Ipswich win that game. 
And more importantly, Stuart, are you going to break all etiquette and protocol and, and try and get a picture with Big Dunk, your hero, your childhood idol? Uh, yes. Yeah, I think I probably will, actually. Yeah. Let, let's hope it's not 5 0 in that case, because uh, I'm not sure we'll be open to, to pictures. Yeah. yeah. After that. Maybe do it pre, try and get it done pre match. So there were a couple of, a couple of pictures were taken with Vincent Company on, uh, on Saturday. Okay. Well, hopefully, town win and you get a picture with Big Dunk. That's the best outcome we can we can hope for from that game. Fists up, then, absolutely fists up. Although you don't want to probably don't want to raise your fist too close to Big Dunk in case yeah. he takes it as provocation, puts the nut on you. Um, final game of February is at MK Dons. Town are going to have about thirty thousand fans there by the sound of it. Um, MK Dons struggling, twentieth in the league. Just got a new manager. Obviously, Liam Manning is gone. The new boss, I think, has done two wins in seven, so not really kind of changed things too much. Uh, and they're awful at home, MK Dons. They've got a terrible home record. I think they've only won twice at home all, all season. They only scored 10 goals at home, probably because they keep letting so many away fans come in. Um, this has got to be another win, hasn't it, Hutchie, to end the month? Yeah. Um, yeah, and another win to, no- to nothing as well. I've got got this one down as a 2-0. Two, 2-0 two nil. Two nil win. I think I said 3-1, just because I was getting too optimistic. Um, Stewie, got to be yeah. a win. Yeah, got to be a win. I think they will get a win. They'll be back by how many tickets have they sold now? What's what's the allocation? Three, they've, they've, 4, well, so, yeah, four thousand with with another another load request. I think they are capped at seven thousand by the local authority, from what I gather, for four away fans. So I imagine mm. it might get to that level again. Mm. Okay. Yeah, whether it gets to that or not, but I think that that will be a factor, and I think Ipswich will go and win this game. Um, yet. Yeah, uh, Go for three, Neil. Add another one on. Okay, so that brings us to the end of the predictions then. So me and Stuart have gone exactly the same in terms of out- outcomes. We're saying win-win, draw, win-win. Hutchie, you're saying win, draw, draw, win-win. We're all saying unbeaten month of February, though, and a lot of points for Ipswich Town. And at this stage of the season, it has to be that, doesn't it, Stuart? There's no, there is no room now for slip-ups. They've got to catch at least one of the sides above them who Sheffield Wednesday got a game in hand. They're going to have to be almost perfect, really, for the rest of the year. Uh, yeah, the all, the almost year. perfect is the term. There is little room for slip-ups. Uh, you know, it's not going to suddenly end the season or we're not at the kind of mathematically impossible stages or anything like that. There will be a lot of twists and turns to come, but Ipswich can't let too, leave too many points out there and be left playing catch-up too much. So what I think we've both out, all three of us have outlined there will... We'll leave them firmly in the uh, in the hunt um, by the end of the month. Cambridge United won. Ipswich Town nil. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be fun on Monday, isn't it? Yeah, I, should, I shouldn't oh. joke about that. Oh yeah. Oh well, boys. It was nice while it lasted. Um, right then, that brings us to the end of the predictions. It brings us to the end really of the show. We should also mention though, Stewie, something you did yesterday because that has relevance to tomorrow. Ipswich Town in the FA Youth Cup tomorrow night hosting Liverpool at Portman Road, a big game for the youngsters. And you you spoke to a pair of twins who play in that town side. Tell us all about it. Yeah, identical twins, no less. Harry and Finley Barbrook, who people may have seen on the team sheet for the under-18s and the under-21s in recent years, both integral parts of this Ipswich Town team that's made it through to the fifth round of the FA Youth Cup uh, to play Liverpool. The team that knocked them out in the semi-finals a couple of years ago. It's been um, quite the journey to get to this point so far. They came from 2-0 down to beat Huddersfield. Uh, they beat Nottingham Forest on penalties in the last round. 
This is going to be a major test against uh, Liverpool uh, tomorrow night. Uh, crowd of about 1,500, I think, um, so far um, for that game. It'll be an eye follow as well. But uh, yeah, two very nice young men, the Barbrook twins. So we had a good chat about their sort of academy journey, um, their types of players they are, and and a lot of twin chat in there as well. Identical twins fascinate me. So it was a chance to uh, to sort of chat about their, their relationship and how they've uh, helped each other as footballers along the way. Did they at any point finish each other's sentences, Stu? There was a lot of, yeah, that sort of telepathy of, you know, one would start a sentence and then the other one the sort of would seamlessly take on the answer and they would sort of, I didn't have to do a lot of questioning. They were sort of uh, yeah. bat- batting the answer sort of back to and fro between each other. But yeah, two, two really nice, uh, polite young men who, uh, yeah, I came away from that interview sort of uh, really, really rooting for them. So, um, yeah, that will be uh, online and in print tomorrow. Mm. Did you try pinching one of them to see if the other one felt the pain? I didn't, no. No, uh, maybe I should have done. Um, but they, <laughs> the, helpfully, Harry has grown his hair out. Harry's the, the left back. Um, Finley plays in midfield, but Harry's grown his hair out a little bit more. So you can kind of, uh, it was a bit easier to sort of identify the two of them, um, both in interview and I think for fans kind of watching from the stands as well. So, yeah, it's an interesting little, little story with those two. I think they've got a real chance of... Uh, getting some pro deals at the end of the season by by all accounts so not not many twins that make it in in football is there nope um right and we'll look out for that as, as Joey says that'll be in print and online tomorrow shall we finish boys by playing guess Hutchie's shirt uh this one is i like it actually it's so it's mainly black with a, a flash of blue and white across the chest a blue collar blue sponsor Sponsor is Think Blue, fittingly. Um, I'm awful at this, so I'm really leaning heavily on you. Absolutely no idea. I can't What's even the manufacturer? see what the shape is. Okay, so it's a German shirt, is it? Yep. Is uh, that like a... That looks like the lion from the... like a Is that a lion? Yep. On the badge? Yeah. Sort of a similar lion to the England badge, basically. Imagine one of the three lions, but just, just one of them. Uh, no idea, Hutchie. You're going to have to put us out of our misery. Ah, okay. 1816 Munchen. Another new one, Hutchie, or just one you brought to the front just for shits and gigs? Just, just one I brought to the front. This is actually my brother's. Ah. Is it massive um, then? No, it's pretty standard. So I, I think I bought bought this for him because on my stag do, which he was on, he was there as well. We went to Munich for it, and I think it was either the weekend before or the weekend after his birthday. So I bought it for him then, and, but I've been looking after it just because I think he moved house and um, it's been living on the rail for a little bit. So Fair enough. Is love, it a large, love, a, a large boys? Is that what it is? <laughs> Honestly, mate, you're fascinated by that. That is what the sizes were in football shirts. You couldn't say it now, could you? You couldn't say large boys now. This is a just a, a large adult male. You'd have to say you'd have to say body positive boys now, wouldn't you? Um, <laughs> let me. Do you know what from... that one? Do you know what that one is? Oh, it's a beauty. That's Inter Milan, isn't it? I was gonna. I was gonna say that. That yeah, is a beauty. Is. I was gonna come it's on a... to that while I was digging myself a hole. It is a beauty. That's a that's a two thousand and five night total ninety. Bring that a bit closer, just so we can finish with with a beautiful shot of the a classic shirt. That is sexy, isn't it? It's a nice a bit of R nine era. That was it. Mm. Uh, yeah, mate. Mm, I think he might have left by then. 
potentially. That is still a beauty, though. Absolutely yeah. beautiful shirt. One day, hope maybe in the summer, we'll do the shirts of Hutchie's life. Um, we'll go. We'll go round. We'll have me chatting to you as you as you pick through your rail, pick out some classics. Right then, friends. Bridge to the end of the show. Anything else to mention, boys? Before I do my uh, shambolic outro. No other business. No other business. Excellent. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Then an hour of podcast gold. We've talked about deadline day, what the boys think about it, who the best signings have been, what they're going to bring to the side. We've predicted Cambridge. We've looked ahead at February. We all think Tanner are going to go unbeaten in February. So all then that's left for me to do is to remind you to support our sponsor, use the code KOA at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery. Just launched a whole new range of stuff. So get involved there. And also for help with your digital marketing, Google ads, SEO, any of that, get involved. Ginger Pickle. If you like your pickle ginger, Google ginger pickle and get involved with Tony Southgate and those boys. Also, friends, just a reminder, we're still looking for the furthest flung KOA listener. We've got Ed in New Zealand. That's a long way away. Back in the day, I know we had Monty out in South Korea. Um, I'd love to know if we've got any any listeners even further afield. Have we got a listener, for example, in North Korea? That'd be a story, wouldn't it? Um... <laughs> what is the furthest point from here? Like, <clears throat> what? It's got to be... A... Um, geography is terrible, but New Zealand's got to be pretty close, hasn't it? Japan, we had, I know we've got a few listeners in Japan. Um, We'd be banned Mon- in North Korea, wouldn't we? Like, there'd be like a blackout on us. Too, pro- too provocative. Isn't there only about three sort of Western films that they're allowed to watch in North Korea? One of which is Harry Potter, I believe. Is that um, right? I don't know. Yeah, which one? Yeah. Uh, they're sort of like state approved films. I imagine probably the early one, you know, nothing, the, the later ones maybe a bit dark look that up i'm pretty sure that's the case but yeah we're not getting through the the internet filters in north korea we talk about balls too much <laughs> um i've just googled i've just googled furthest country from the uk and it is new zealand so you're mm. gonna we're gonna have to micromanage this where in new zealand are you well ed was saying he listens while he catches a ferry from the north island to the south island or vice versa so i don't know which technically is furthest away um but if yeah New Zealand list anyone that's far afield or in an unusual location, let us know. I know we've got listeners all over Europe, but even further afield would be great. Or a um, tiny little island, a tiny little remote island. Yes. You're on one yeah, of those somewhere. That'd be, be good. I remember being more amused than I should have been when I was on holiday in the Maldives and I checked our pod um, demographics. And sure enough, there I flashed up as a, um, a listener in the Maldives, like 0.001% of our listenership was in the Maldives. Um, was it so you? Go. That was me. Yeah, I was listening yeah. in the gym. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it was the, the next guy next to you on the treadmill. Like, <laughs> Hang on, I recognise your voice. Uh, can I shock you, boys? Just by way of finishing in an Andy Warren style. Never seen a single Harry Potter film. Never read a single Harry Potter book. That's mental. Is it? Yeah, I don't know how that's how that's even humanly possible. Oh, because I'm not ten. I'll let the <laughs> listeners deal with you on that one. <laughs> all right, then, friends. So we all reckon Town are going to go and beat, and we all reckon they're going to win at Cambridge United this weekend. All that's left then is just the minor task of actually going and bloody doing it. We'll be back next week to break it all down. Have a great weekend, and we'll speak to you next time. Bye.